This is your host, Brendan, and you're listening to the Ordinary to Ultra podcast. Each episode, I bring in an ultra runner and ask them about their journey to their first ultra marathon or their first time running a new ultra distance. We'll dive into why they started running in the first place, why they decided to run an ultra, the obstacles they encountered, and what it took to get to the finish line and beyond. Dean Carnazes is one of the um, more prolific runners in this space. And he's getting up there in age. He's still crushing big things. He used to be huge in the scene about 20 years ago, winning races, giving and race and a run for money, all that jazz, right? Um, but uh, he was asked in an interview, he says, what, what do you think the, the average person, how fast can the average person run a marathon? And he responded with like kind of confusion. And he goes, well, that's an interesting question because average people don't run marathons, right? And that's something you got to remember is that, yes, a marathon, hundreds of, you know, hundreds, hundred thousand plus, I don't know, probably hundreds of thousands of people run a marathon every year. That's still a very small amount given the 8 billion people on this planet. So if you do that, like, man, remember how special that still is. Yes, almost everybody out there can do this if they wanted to. And if you're listening to this, it's probably because you want to. But what you're doing is not average. And so be proud of yourself for that. Hey, everybody, Brendan here. Y'all are listening to Miles Victors. Uh, Miles and I met about two months ago. Uh, we met via a Facebook group. And man, am I glad that I met Miles. He's truly inspirational and an amazing friend. Spoiler alert. A few minutes into this interview, Miles is going to talk about his transformation story. Um, only about a year and a half ago, Miles was 450 pounds and since then has dropped to less than half that weight and has gotten into running and has run his first ultra marathon and, and has big plans for future uh, ultra marathons. What a transformation. What a story. Yeah, you're in for a real treat today. A little more about Miles. Uh, Miles is 39 years old. He is from Eagle River, Alaska, near Anchorage. He lives in Harriman, Utah today and has for the last six years. He has a wife and four kids and a dog named Bucky, who is a great Pyrenees and Golden Retriever mix and eternally sheds. And... Uh, Miles is a lover of movies. If he's not running, he is probably spending time with his family or watching a movie. And his favorite two movies are Braveheart, which is top tier, and Batman Begins, also a fantastic story. And without further ado, let's get into the interview with Miles. All right. Hey, Miles, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here today, man. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. I'm curious, uh, have you been on any, uh, fun runs, any fun adventures, uh, of late? I'd love to hear about it. Hmm. Fun runs. Uh, well, I, like I've mentioned to you a little bit before, uh, in other conversation that I did, uh, I was trying to do a 22 miler or 23 miler up and over, uh, this snowed in road here in Harriman, but I got real sick. And, uh, after three emergency bathroom stops along the way, I, uh, decided i needed to turn back so i guess that's the most memorable one and that is memorable. <laughs> yeah it's not the most fun oh. way to spend your wintery runs 
Yeah. Always bring toilet paper. Yeah, always. Uh, <laughs> always. Toilet paper in a doggy bag. <laughs> doggy bag. Oh my goodness. I haven't uh had the displeasure yet of uh oh, having one of those moments. You do this but, long uh, enough, it's there's no doubt. Come. Yeah, you will. Uh, You'll get good yes. at it too, better than you thought you would. I used to be <laughs> a hardcore backpacker and camper, and I'm telling you, I used to I, I love going backpacking for weekend trips, but I would always bring copious amounts of cheese. And the reason why is because my theory was that if I plugged it up tight enough, I would never have to do that on these trips. And it usually yes. works. But since I've become a trail runner, I've gotten actually really comfortable with just, you know, hey, this is just a fact of life. Go. I'm an animal just like every other animal out here, and I just gotta do what I gotta do. <laughs> it's a great point. You just gotta let it happen. And with running, you know, it's just it's different. It just makes it happen. There's no okay. stopping it. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's uh, very memorable. Um, yeah, running in the snow too. Um, yeah, we went running a few weeks ago and you had some snow gators. Um, I did not have snow gators and I went on a run recently um, with a buddy of mine in my neighborhood. We went uh, up the canyon and the snow just <laughs> it soaked right through my yeah. socks and my shoes and their Cortex shoes, but you know, it just, the snow was just going down the top. So yeah. I learned too, if you're running in the snow, anybody, um, this season, get some, uh, some snow gators. Those. Yeah. I off. recommend the ones if you've got, so I think it's, uh, I think Topo athletic ultra, and I think Hoka can't remember, but I think Hoka mm. all have gators that are made specifically for their shoes. I would recommend that uh. route over, the ones that you can get from, I think, like Catula. Um, yeah. Catulas are good, but most of our trail and running shoes these days don't have any type of arch gap right there at the underside of your arch. And so that that plastic, that plastic string that goes underneath your shoe can get worn out awfully quick. Now, in the snow, it's not so bad, but when you're doing trail running out on the trails uh, in the summertime, those things get chewed up so fast. So that is really good advice and i just got some katulas so uh i guess we'll they're see great how long they I last think they'll be fine for the snow <laughs> they'll be fine for the snow i think that they're they just wear out re- they get chewed up real quick on the trail so i, I bought trail. a bunch of uh extra straps because my other ones are toast so i just have extra ones that i can swap in if i need to so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well good good to know good to know should have grabbed the hoka ones next time um awesome well Miles, let's head back, head back in time. I want to talk about what f- got you into running in the first place. What, uh, what was the motivator? Yeah. So my story is interesting. I, I actually, in high school, uh, I used to be really big into lifting, um, and running. I was very out of shape still, but I got, went through this period where I got in pretty decent shape. I we didn't run for fun. I ran for weight loss. Um, I enjoyed it okay. I wasn't very fast, but I would put in maybe 10, 15 miles a week uh, running alongside all my weightlifting stuff um, for weight uh, for weight loss and body composition, stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. I got really out of shape again. Um, and then uh, I got into running, oh, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. I was uh, following the the relatively resurgent trend of uh, the vegan runner style. So I read Scott Jurek's Eat Eat to Run book, and I read 
you know, the China study. And I watched that movie Forks Over Knives and stuff and got really excited about that. I got into running pretty decent. Um, I could run, you know, 10 miles at a time, you know, maybe up to a half marathon and and stuff. And uh, and then went through some uh, kind of mental health crisis stuff and started gaining weight um, about 12 or 13 years ago. And then I got really, really, really heavy, um, quite heavy, quite unhealthy. Uh, I was about 450 pounds and um, could barely move, had all sorts of joint problems, had to walk with a cane. It was kind of a a mess of a situation. And um, I decided I needed to take control of my life, uh, you know, long story short. And I started losing weight. And along the way, I started moving more and I kind of uh, found a love again for, for walking and then eventually for, for running as a tool to get in healthier shape. And then, uh, I started just getting reminded every time I went on a run, how much joy that freedom of movement is. Um, and so I just started going deeper and deeper and challenging myself more and more. And pretty soon I'm signing up for trail ultra marathons and I'm pacing friends at you know, the Wasatch 100 and I'm, you know, spending whole weekends out in the mountains, you know, running up and over peaks. So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of infectious. It's, uh, such a stark contrast when you were at your low, low 450 pounds. Did you ever see yourself getting this far? Oh, my, my body was so broken at the time, just with the pain that I had and the mobility problems that I had that, I just wanted, you know, when I started my journey, I just wanted to be healthy again. I wanted to have yeah. some form of health, whatever that looked like. So, no, I couldn't really imagine a world where I could really run ever again. Um, yeah. Because at that point, I, you know, used a cane and could could barely walk a couple thousand steps a day and was in just terrible, wow. terrible physical shapes. So, no, wasn't on my radar at all. No. But yeah, look at you now. It's it's incredible what the body can do. Like uh, I went running with Miles. I'm t- I'm telling you, what three weeks ago or so, and and Miles is cruising through the mountains. This is uh that's incredible. Yeah, it's uh it is it's been quite the journey. Um, you know, I, I weigh less than half of what I weighed then. I'm sitting around the mid two teens, so like two fifteen, two sixteen, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, feel, feel so much better, obviously, but then, uh, just having the ability to, to run and move, um, whether it's in nature or on the roads, even, I don't even mind running on the roads too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, I think the the best word that I can use for it is just, I get filled with gratitude. Um, you know, it's, it's a very humbling thing to know where you started from and Uh where you are now and not really like you know the effort that you put in to get from a to b and yet you also don't really understand how those pieces fit together to allow it to happen because of how bad off i was you know when i started um so i'm not sure uh why i got so lucky uh when a lot of people aren't but I'm really grateful that I can do what I can do. Um, and I could do it with as much joy as I can do it with. What was this? Uh, what was the, the, what am I trying to say? How long did this transformation take when you're at your low, low, 
till now? How how long has it been? Yeah, so it was only February 7th of 2022 that I weighed uh, 450 pounds. So for those who are not listening to this in real time, it is December 14th of 2023. Today, so yeah. today. Um, so yeah, it was a, it took about a year to lose most of it. Um, I want to say I was probably sitting around 250 pounds, somewhere in there, 240, I think around, mm-hmm. uh, the year mark. So this last February, and then I've just really slowed down because I realized uh, I just uh, was just finishing up a trail racing series or not trail racing, a road racing series in Salt Lake um, around that time and gearing up to get ready for some trail half marathons uh, Mm -hmm. in June. And I realized that as my mileage was increasing, I was uh, finding a lot of little aches and pains. And Mm -hmm. I realized it was probably because my calorie deficit was too too severe. Um, and mm-hmm. so I started adding a lot more calories in. So the weight loss really slowed down after that, but then it kind of stabilized mm-hmm. in, you know, late summer where I'm at now. I haven't really mm-hmm. lost a whole lot of weight since then, but yeah, so it took about a year, year and a half to, uh, get it done. And I've been sitting here at where I'm at now for probably three or four months now, man, that is an incredible transformation. Incredible. Um, I'm, I'm curious what role your races have played uh, in your in your story and your motivation. I know you've done several races. Uh, sounds like you've done some like half marathons, marathon races, and and now you're you're getting into these longer uh, ultra distances too. But uh, what's the purpose behind the the races? Do you think you said you run for uh, out of gratitude and it just feels good? Um, but uh, why do you run? competitively i should say is it for the to like win is it just uh to see how far you can go for yourself like what's your motivation well it's definitely not to win uh <laughs> so i'm i'm not nearly fast enough to to get there my goal in every race has always been to well every race since i became a real what i say quote unquote a real, real. runner right uh-huh. um has been always a finish in the top 50%. And recently it's been in the top 25% is, is what my goal has been. Um, yeah. And I've been able to do that recently, which is good. Um, but the, uh, the big driver for races for me, I, I use this analogy um, of a map. And uh, when you look at a map, you can see um the entire lay of the land from that top-down view. And in order to use a map effectively, you have to know where you are, and then you also have to know where you want to go. If you can't identify those two places or those two points, then it's really difficult to uh, make good use of your time and energy, right? You're just going to wander around. Um, So I use where I want to go and waypoints along the way to get there as a method of measuring my progress. Uh, and helping me to get from ultimately my A to B. Now, my I still don't, my my end goal is kind of a shifting goal. You know, one month it's this, one month it's that. Currently, I would really love to either race in, uh, which is this is kind of a vile, a vile race to a lot of people these days. But I want to run the UTMB out in uh, Chamonix, France. Now, UTMB as a race organization has got a lot of heat recently. I don't know if that's changed my ultimate goal or not, 
Another one that I really want to race is the uh, Moab 240. So those are a couple of my big goals. And along the way, I know that I need to hit some other uh, milestones along the way. And so I use these other races as stepping stones to get there. And Mm -hmm. uh, the benefit of them is, is one, the, the effort required is known, right? You can read up about it. You know how far you have to go. You know what your time limit is. You know what the elevation is. You know what the terrain is going to look like. So you can plan for all of that. And so that's that's A. And then B, um, you know when it is. So you have a discrete time that you have to get ready for it in. And what that does is it puts bounds on the effort or the preparedness that I need to have by when. And those two things really help me focus in on what I need to do to um to crush it you know to do what i need to do so uh that's what service the uh, races do uh serve for Mm -hmm. me plus they're like you know i don't have to bring as many snacks i don't have to pack as many snacks because there's eight stations so yeah (laughs) it's nice that uh everyone else is carting all the water and the the uh candy out there for me I spend a hundred dollars on the race, but uh, they do give you snacks. So, uh, and if you eat enough, you can almost make that money back. You know, <laughs> you know that's kind of true with how expensive these gels and uh, hydration stuff are these days. Yeah, I, just I don't even. <laughs> yeah, I just bought some hydration tabs and was like, "Oh my goodness, like thirty dollars for like forty like that." That could yeah. be a month's supply if I was running enough. I so stopped I doing that, longer, man. But, I kind of yeah. I, I have salt shoes. I use the, uh, what are they called? The salt, salt licks or salt something. I don't know. Salt, salt sticks. I don't know. It's it basically these tiny little, uh, tiny little chewable tablets that have a yeah, bunch of electrolytes salt. and sodium in them. Yeah. And they taste really good. Like the, the peach flavored, I think okay. is my favorite. They're not okay. super expensive, which is nice. And so I'll take those just with regular okay. water. Um, cause I don't like buying the expensive drinks. And then, yeah. With food, man, those goos and honey singer waffles and all that <laughs> stuff, they can get wildly expensive. And so yeah. I'm now like a hundred percent fueled by Oreos, Pop Tarts, Swedish Fish, and uh, Payday, uh, fun size Payday. That's right. That's my jam. That and then uh, those Costco <laughs> Fig Bar, like Fig Newtons, are also good for that stuff too. So that's what I do because. The the dollars per calories per dollar is so much more effective that way. So it's fair. And you feel fine running on these. I think, you know, maybe some naturalist folk out there would would be like, well, you're just eating a you know, a lot of candy, you know. But yeah, I see what you're doing here. Like it's still uh it's still calories, it's still sugar, and that's going to turn into fuel. So and, and for you, like no problems, your stomach's fine. Like I've trained yeah. I have done some challenges for myself that have helped get me to this point. Um yeah. one of my favorite things that I did during the summer is when I really didn't have time to get up into the mountains, I would do what I called a gas station crawl. And it's where I would hit up all the gas stations and run from gas station to gas station, and I had to eat something at each one. Uh, and, and I, I, they couldn't be healthy. It had to be really like gnarly food. So it was like a deep fried taquito at one and a donut at another. Once (laughs) I, uh, I got a small bucket of popcorn at a holiday, terrible running food, just an awful running food, (laughs) this salty popcorn. Oh, and I also didn't let myself bring my own water bottle. I had to drink whatever I could get there. And so quite often that was, a mixture of, you know, you know, alternating between diet Dr. Pepper or a Gatorade or something. 
Anyway, <laughs> that experimentation hardened my stomach up quite a bit and made it so I can virtually eat anything at any time on the run now. And I recommend challenge pushing your body's digestive system. If you're going to be doing this sport, push it on those training runs because that's how you get your body used to the variation and whatever the trail might throw at you during the ultra marathons. Jeez, that is creative. I love it. That is so, <laughs> that's fun, honestly. Yeah, my first my first one was, I called it the Tour de Maverick. And out here in Utah, we have these <laughs> Maverick gas stations. Oh and so I gosh. strung together like 11 yeah. of them all together. It was like a 17-mile run or something that I just bounced from one. We have a lot of them out here. If, that, if there's uh -huh. 11 of them and I could get to them in 17 miles, that tells you how many there are. That's and a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. And uh, just one to one to one to one and just ate something at, at most of them, so here in uh logan where i'm pretty close to uh we got two mavericks across the street from each other so that would be yeah. a, a good run for me just run across the street yeah. mavericks Grab, and holidays uh, each yeah yeah and those donuts they're high calorie <laughs> if you want to max out your calories yeah. man that's those are like three or four hundred calories those apple fritters and stuff oh i know what you're talking or the about the raspberry fritters they had the raspberry fritters big. at maverick yeah yeah, they got some good food at Maverick. If uh, y'all are in a different state, don't know what Maverick is. I think Maverick's kind of Utah, maybe some of these other Western states, but Maverick is the place. It is it's Utah's uh, the best Buc gas station. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a it's good. Utah's that Buc is a good comparison. Buckies. Um, all right. So we talked about some awesome fueling fun. Um, oh. I'm curious when you first heard about ultra running like when did that first get introduced to you that yeah the concept yeah. of running more than a marathon like i said about 12 years ago or so i did read scott jurek's book uh eat, okay. eat to run um okay. and so that got introduced to me then i also read the book born to run back then um and that actually started me on understanding a little bit about proprioception and footwear and, you know, kind of not going, buying into the whole super maximalist shoe trend. Um, and uh, and that really helped me out in a lot of ways, uh, both running and just in daily life. Um, and uh, I read Dean Karnaz's book, Ultramarathon Man, back then, as well as reading uh, Rich Roll's book. Um, what's it? Is it, is it all, just Ultraman? It's when he does those ultra triathlons where he does the the like double Ironman races and stuff. Anyway, so I, I got introduced about 12 years ago to all of that. And then kind of uh, that's always been something that I've now known about for the last mm -hmm. decade plus. And uh, when I started running again, I remember it's funny. You went on that cruise just recently. Yeah. Um, and it, it when I was starting to run again, I didn't really start running until about October of last year. So a little over a year ago. Um, and, uh, I started running on the cruise ship. Uh, like I actually hit five miles on the cruise ship during one of my runs, uh, at port. And mm -hmm. that's when I was like, holy cow, like I could do this. And that's when I started thinking longer distances. And that's where kind of the ultra marathon idea started germinating. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until, you know, late winter this last year, early spring, where I started thinking, nah, I can, I can do this. I think mm -hmm. I can. Um, I just wanted to say it's, it's kind of funny that it, that this occurred to you on the cruise ship. Uh, I found that running on a cruise ship was hard. Um, being that we live in the mountains, you know, it's way, 
it's pretty dry up here, high altitude. Running on the cruise ship down in the Bahamas, man, it was it was humid. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was like hard to like people think it's hard to breathe, and it, it is hard to breathe when you come to higher altitudes from lower altitudes. But uh, I, the equal and opposite was true for me. That going down. <laughs> yeah, to, it's uh, it's the humidity more than anything. I think because when yeah. I so when I went down to uh, so we we sailed out of Galveston, Texas, and uh, it was in October. And I remember how it felt running up here in the high desert area, you know, in, in Utah where we live and uh, dry, high elevation. And when I started running, I felt like a superhero. Like it was unbelievable how easy and effortless it was when I was running. It was like 6 a.m. I remember running not on the boat, but at, outside of the hotel there in Galveston and running towards the port. And I was just I was a superhero, you know. And then the humidity hit me and it, it was like, you know, that, that scene in the Avengers where Hulk grabs Loki by the foot and just smashes him back and forth on the ground. <laughs> That's how I, I felt like the Texas humidity uh, did to me. It just yeah. crushed me. I was done. It was unbelievable how quickly Dang. that happened. And so, yeah, the cruise ship was a very interesting experience. I actually learned to appreciate running on the cruise ship very early in the morning, like at 5 a.m um would be <laughs> cool enough that it battled the humidity quite a bit um and then if i was running during uh while the boat was moving um that also was beneficial but that wasn't always possible because you know how early they get into ports sometimes but yes. uh but yeah it, uh definitely the trick there was super early in the morning uh especially if you were at port right definitely recommend uh if anyone here is going on a cruise soon uh you know I used to make fun of those people that were running on the cruise ship. Like, guys, just Same. take a break. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> go, go to the freaking buffet. What are you, what's going on? But, uh, no, no, uh, I needed, like, I felt like I needed to run during that time. Uh, you know, it's, you just get the runners high, you get addicted to it and it just feels good. And you want to keep your training up too. It's like, if you take a week off, it can really, uh, put you back. It's a different world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you actually the guy running on the track we're just a bunch of addicts is all we are like we're just <laughs> this morning this morning i so i'm i'm getting old i'm 39 i know people who are listening to this would be like, dude that is not old <laughs> right but i feel old i'm 39 coming on 40 here in a couple months and um i'm lucky if i make it past 10 p.m you know every night like i'm i am so tired by then and uh last night i didn't go to bed until like 11 10 like oh man super late for me right i'm like Watch oh out. man i'm i'm like a I'm like a college kid again <laughs> and uh and so this morning i woke up and my body was like no i don't want you to go run this morning you're gonna stay in bed <laughs> and just like fart around on instagram for a while or whatever so that's why i did i was grumpy all day until oh. i got out on a you know early afternoon run got about a little over five miles in and got my dopamine hit, my endorphin hit or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> You're hit. And then I was okay Man. after that. And uh, it's routine's good, but it just, it just uh, set the point home that I'm just a drug addict. It's just a drug <laughs> that my body makes when I run. And yeah. it's cheaper. Either, yeah. So I either got to be okay with that um i'm probably yeah or or stop running but i'm probably not gonna stop running so i'm just gonna have to be okay with the fact that i'm addicted to 
the endorphins that my body makes. Yep. Accepted. Yep. Same. Also. <laughs> That's so fun. Um, okay. So you realized, heck yes, I want to run an ultra marathon uh, while you're on this, on this cruise ship. You're like, I could do this. This is doable. What uh, I'd love to hear more about the training uh, that led up to your first ultra and, uh, and also what was your first ultra? Yeah. So my training, I, I, I realized that I didn't know enough to make a really strong program for myself that, um, would keep me from getting injured. And that would also get me to where I wanted to go. Right. I needed somebody to get me going and start mapping out my course from A to B you know, at least to the first several waypoints until I could figure out this whole navigation thing by myself and start charting my own course, right? Um, so I actually signed up for a service uh, through a um, a group called 8020 Endurance. And they have a coaching system there for triathletes, for cyclists, for, you know, long distance swimmers, for runners, uh, for pretty much any distance. And so I signed up with them and it comes with a training peaks plan. And it's cool because it basically will put everything on your schedule for you. It'll tell me what day you need to run, what distance and how hard you should be running. And the cool thing is that it syncs automatically with my Garmin watch and will create structured training programs on my watch that then will beep at me if I go too hard, too fast. It'll tell me the intervals I need to run. It'll let me know when the next section is coming so I know how hard I need to run. Anyway, it was very, very useful for me. So that's how I kind of structured my training was based off of that. Um, and then it wasn't until summer that I started feeling really confident to where I could start rolling my own and going off of um, going off of weekly mileage and elevation gain and stuff like that and trying to structure in, you know, the standard running structure of at least one long, you know, one to two long runs per week um with two speed sessions mixed in whether that be hill repeats or a tempo run or a fartlek or you know whatever and then the rest of them mm -hmm. long easy runs and i'm a i'm a streaker i'm a run streaker so i run every single day so it's just kind of finding where to put some of these efforts in um throughout the week anyway that's how i started getting there um i ran my first ultra distance on i want to say it was july 8th of this year um, I, I made my own course, uh, basically it was a bunch of loops around, um, a trail system just South of where I live here. Hmm. I called it the Black Ridge ultra because it's right around the trail system by Black Ridge reservoir here in Harriman. And I ran that and, uh, that sucked because, uh, the night before the race, I got influenza. Um, or no. I started, I started die. I started, well, it was that day I started feeling the symptoms of influenza uh -huh. and it was that day that my father-in-law who I had just spent the week with, um, yeah. tested oh, positive gosh. for influenza. And so uh -huh. I had, by the time I woke up Saturday morning, full blown flu, um, so sick. And I am stubborn enough that I said, screw it. I've been training for this long enough. I'm going to see if I can do it. And if I can't, I can't, uh, I did it. It took longer than I wanted it to. It was hotter than I wanted it to be. And I was way sicker than I thought I would ever be. And then uh, I did that in about, I want to say seven hours and 45 minutes, somewhere in there. That kind of upper end of seven hours. 
Yeah. And, uh, and you went fifty k. What? What did yeah, you? Yeah, fifty k. Did a fifty k. Yeah, okay. Um, and then uh, yeah, the whole following week I was recovering from um pneumonia. So oh my uh, that goodness, was cool. it um, uh, it progressed. To, but uh, I kept my streak pneumonia. alive through all of that. Oh I, my I, goodness. I, so I kept going. Um, oh man. Yeah, so that was my first unofficial ultra. And then uh, I did a couple distances close to that in the 20s. And uh, my first official ultra was the uh, Dead Horse Ultra, November 18th of this year in Moab, where I was able to run that one in a swift five hours and 23 minutes, knocking you know a couple hours off my time. Felt pretty pretty proud about that and finished. Not quite... 25th percentile not quite the upper 25 percent. i was like 26 or 27 percent. like just Ugh. barely missed it but it's all right still uh enough. still very quick uh and yeah. i was very happy with that i i beat my estimated time by uh a full hour so that was good jeepers um wow and you weren't sick for this, I wasn't uh, sick. No, yeah. I got sick the week after, but <laughs> oh, I wasn't sick oh my during. Goodness. So, jeez, man, that whole uh, pneumonia thing—that just sounds nuts. Um, and you got pneumonia pretty much because you pushed yourself so hard. Oh yeah, a flu, and then oh, yeah. it just like just destroyed you. <laughs> it is. Oh my goodness, it is one of my more David Goggins moments. Yes, that I can't really like <laughs> endorse for most people. I don't think that's wise. If anybody else uh, had asked me, Miles, should I run this distance? I would say, you know, it's probably not a good idea. But I also am my worst. <laughs> I'm my worst patient. And so I'm going to do all the stupid stuff. So do as I say, not as I do. There you, um, go. you know, I love it. I love comparing yourself to David. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. Yeah. If you If you don't know who David Goggins is. Uh, look him up. Um, He's very and... inspiring, but I would not <laughs> get after you get pumped up, after you get motivated, yep. take a step back and say, okay, but where really should the limit be? Right. <laughs> Cause that's the wise thing to do. Uh, but again, we're kind of a, uh, us ultra runners. We invite the pain. Part of the challenge yeah. is the pain. We kind of all are David Goggins to a certain point. Yeah, to a certain point. Some people are smarter about it than others. But uh, dang it, if I'm not saying who's going to carry the boats and the logs, I'm saying that in my head as I run down the trail half the time when I'm, you know, hurting. They don't know me, son. So. <laughs> oh, man, I love David. He's uh, He is fun to listen to. He will pump you up, <clears throat> which is needed sometimes. Um, yes, don't uh, destroy yourself. Um, man, that's awesome. Uh, this 50 K I'm curious after you ran this 50 K did, uh, did you feel like you'd had this amazing, uh, accomplishment in your life or you did maybe you'd done so many races. This just, uh, felt like another one and you immediately were maybe planning your next, uh, step. I don't know. Uh, how'd you feel after this race? I don't know. I was super, super proud of myself that I was able to beat my time the way I did. That said, it wasn't 
I don't know. I had imagined coming up to it, the, the official 50K, that I'd just be like crying and so proud of myself and like, oh my gosh, transcendence, you know, I made it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it didn't feel like that. And mm. I don't know if it's because I had already registered for, you know, all my next races. I don't know if it's because I'd run, you know, over a dozen races in the last several months, you know, total just of all different distances i don't know i don't know what it was i was super happy my daughter my 11 year old daughter uh is the one who put the medal around my neck got it from the lady at the end and that was kind of cool and uh i was also mainly concerned at the moment because about 15 yards from the finish line my left hamstring said i'm done and just seized up you know and uh that was kind of fun to deal with in the moment because that was a lot of pain but uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like this amazing I made it experience. I don't know if it was like uh, I got to imagine the reason why is probably because I have so many races on my calendar right now that are harder that I think my yeah. brain kind of nullified out some of the shorter efforts, which I don't think is realistic. Like, I think that my honestly celebrate the wins. You know, celebrate mm -hmm. the, the big moments like finishing my first official 50K. That, is, that was worth being so super stoked about. And I was super proud of myself. I think I should have been a little bit more emotional and proud of myself, you know, in hindsight. Isn't that interesting? You know, uh, I feel that I connect with that. Um, I haven't run my first uh, ultra yet. I haven't run a marathon yet. Uh, that's in a month for me. My first half, I did my first half marathon, um, and my training for that, um, I had already run a half marathon. Uh, I, in training was like, I just, I want to know if I can actually get there to the finish line. So I like went out for my training run, my long run, and, uh, I wanted to do a half. So I did a half and I was like, wow, okay, that's what it will be. Uh, maybe without some of the vert or some of the, uh, in the, yeah, the same vertical climbing, but, uh, that was it. I did the, then I did the half marathon and at the end I, it did, I didn't feel that crazy or incredible. And part of me thinks maybe it's because I knew I could do it. Like I that's did the, it. I think that's it. Yeah. You do you know? think well, I had done it already and yeah. it kind of took the, maybe that took the special pizzazz out of it. And I've heard, I've heard from other wise people um, who are also runners. Like that's a good thing. Like when that happens to you, that means you trained, you trained, right. And you, you showed up to your training and, uh, and the, maybe the principle is it's journey over destination uh, for any Brandon Sanderson oh, sure. fans. Uh, journey before destination um, the journey is more important than, than the arrival point. And really that's where we put all the work in. So I don't know. It's yeah. still, I still wish I felt that, but I, I think, I think the, here's, here's the thing. I think that the problem with you and me, Brendan, is that we are part of a community, even though, you know, you haven't done your first ultra yet, you're still part of the ultra community. And that community has absolutely normalized insane efforts, mm -hmm. right? That's the problem is that we're part enough of this community is that we're watching people like Courtney DeWalter. We're watching, 
you know, Andrew Glaze. We're watching, you know, all these amazing runners who are just incredible at this sport just crush 100, 200, 250 mile races with smiles on their faces, right? And so we know that it's possible and we've watched enough of this and we've studied, we've become students of this sport so much that we realize that a 50K, a half marathon, a marathon, a 50K, uh, a 50 miler is like, well, yeah, these are stepping stones to the bigger one. And I think we do ourselves a disservice because of that, right? Because if you take a step back and you go to who you were four years ago, five years ago, a year ago, um, these things weren't normalized to us yet, right? No. These were insane achievements. But it's because true. of how deep we get into the research and the prep and the ideas and the community that we surround ourselves with, it can be really easy to start making these things feel normal. Now, I know that is actually one of the goals that you have for this podcast and for kind of what you're doing with this community is that exactly. you want you you kind of want to normalize it because people think these are impossible tasks. They only think they're impossible tasks just because most people don't do them. Most people aren't kind of nutty enough to do them. But in terms of physical capability, the human body is capable of amazing things. Your human body, your yours not meaning Brendan's, but whoever is listening to this, your human body is capable of enormous tasks. And you don't know it yet because you haven't dared to dream it yet. But the reality is, is it is. And so I guess my my caution that I give to you, if you're listening to this podcast, is probably because Brendan, you know Brendan, or you're aware of this community that Brendan is building, or you're into the ultra marathon scene, or you're interested in it. If you're listening to this, don't fall into the trap of normalizing too much the amazing things that you're capable of doing, because you don't want to miss out on the gratitude I think Brandon and I are telling you that we sometimes feel like we miss out on when we complete these distances because they're things to be proud of, even though we've normalized them, they're still amazing achievements. Um, Dean Carnazes is one of the um, more prolific runners in this space. And he's getting up there in age. He's still crushing big things. He used to be huge in the scene about 20 years ago, winning races, giving Ann Trace and a run for money, all that jazz. Right. Um, but uh, he was asked in an interview, he says, what, what do you think the, the average person, how fast can the average person run a marathon? And he responded with like kind of confusion. And he goes, well, that's an interesting question because average people don't run marathons, right? And that's something you got to remember is that yes, a marathon, hundreds of, you know, hundreds, hundred thousand plus, I don't know, probably hundreds of thousands of people run a marathon every year. That's still a very small amount given the 8 billion people on this planet. So if you do that, like, man, remember how special that still is. Yes, almost everybody out there can do this if they wanted to. And if you're listening to this, it's probably because you want to. But what you're doing is not average. And so be proud of yourself for that. Sorry, that was my little my little tirade. Don't here. you dare be sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, perfect. Nothing average about what we do. So def definitely find opportunity to take joy and, and feel uh, super good about yourself, for your accomplishments. Uh, but also know that there is no, I'm realizing more and more, there's no real upper limit. Um, yeah. 
there's it's kind of wild what the human body can do and while the difficulty of running that 50k that i did um as fast as i did for me that was huge for me it gave me a very healthy respect for the distance and said oh you can maybe go for the 240 mile moab goal a little bit slower than you thought you needed to do it you can take a, a little bit longer because that was really tough to do that as fast as you did which you just did 50k mm -hmm. um it also told me that oh yeah you can do things that you didn't think you could do and there isn't an upper limit you just have to prepare yourself for it but you can do it wisdom the the lesson that i that I just learned, I think too, is when you finish the, that race, that half marathon, that marathon, put yourself back into the shoes of the person you were when you started, uh, put yourself put miles back into his, his person that he was, uh, before he started his health journey at 450 pounds with, it could hardly walk. Like what would that mile say about the miles that just ran a 50 K like, Oh my goodness. And for me, you know, I, yeah, the me who could hardly run a mile without getting uh, like tendonitis when I first started running my shins and my ankles would swell and hurt. And, uh, <laughs> I could hardly run a mile. Uh, now I run six miles on my regular run. Uh, yeah, I need to put, myself back into the shoes of that that first person that 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 the beginning of the journey and uh what would he say you'd be think, probably uh, hella proud of you man exactly exactly i'd be proud so maybe that'll help me feel the the feelings i should have um awesome i don't think uh <laughs> I think that's uh, where we need to leave this off. That was, uh, that was perfect. Miles, thanks so much for uh, your wisdom, uh, <laughs> for just your story. Uh, everyone's got their own story. Your story is, is amazing and unique to you. And I uh, appreciate you being so open today and sharing that with us and hope uh, some of y'all today are feeling inspired uh, by Miles's story. Um, Miles, if you want, uh, I know you do, some things on the side, uh, running training. Do you want to talk about that at all? Uh, I'd love to have you mention what you do if you'd like, or, or not, if you don't, but yeah, I've got kind of a side gig going on. It's not really off the ground too deep yet. I do have a podcast out there. It's called the, the beating the beating the statistics podcast. Um, you want to give it a listen, go for it. It's free. Uh, I actually also have recently started group coaching, um, on group calls. Um, you can find more information on that if you're interested by going to beating the statistics.com again, that's beat as in like, I beat you up, right? You're trying to beat the statistics and the, that the whole premise of that is, is that only about 3% of people who are, um, overweight and really unhealthy in, in their, in their body composition and, and, and overall health are able to make any reasonable, sustainable change uh, that, that has any longevity to it. And I'm hoping that the things that I can help provide to people through the podcast and through some of my group coaching is um, help them to beat those odds, 
that that you can be either be a part of the three percent or we can start turning that three percent on its head and make that number a little bit bigger um so yeah those are my two things i'm doing again the group coaching really isn't super off the ground yet but please feel free to listen to my podcast um it's available i'm also on a couple other podcasts that i've been a guest on um one is lewis escobar's road dog podcast uh lewis escobar was the photographer and one of the main characters in the born to run book um and then also i have been uh a guest on the culture of trail running podcast which is largely an east coast uh podcast but a great group of people out there if you're interested in some good podcasts that are about trail running and trail runners uh can't go too too wrong with uh with culture and with road dog um so but yeah beating the statistics.com uh and there's also links to my podcast uh there too and i'm on pretty much every podcast platform out there awesome awesome thanks for sharing miles uh check him out and uh hopefully we'll have you again uh down the road see where uh this uh journey takes you yeah hit me up anytime and you know when i'm up in uh your neck of the woods next up there in logan uh i'll uh i'll hit you up for a trail run and every time you're down here come come run with me yes please yes please thanks again miles talk to you later man cheers hey Brendan here. I just wanted to thank you for listening to today's episode. As someone new to ultra running myself, I found these conversations to be super valuable and I hope they are for you as well. And if you want to know when the next podcast episode comes out, make sure you subscribe to the show. And one last thing before you head out, I'm thinking of putting together an online community for new and aspiring ultra runners. And I'm wondering what you think about the idea. You know, there's already several Reddit communities and Facebook groups out there where you're where we can go ask any question we have um, related to ultra running, but I'd like to create something more tight-knit than that. Um, I'm thinking uh, a small-ish group where we can put uh, our upcoming races on, an, on a race calendar uh, so we can support each other towards those goals and maybe find inspiration for our own upcoming races. Um, we can post wins. Uh, we can find more easily other people that are in a similar stage as us. You know, I found it difficult personally to find other runners that are working towards similar goals, especially when it comes to ultra running, being that there's just less of us out there. So I think that could be really helpful. Um, and I also think it it could be fun to have uh, these community members hop on at the end of a podcast episode and ask interviewees questions um, about their ultra running experiences so if you think this idea is interesting or could be helpful to you i'd love to know about it go ahead and go to bit.ly forward slash otu community the link is in the, the description as well and drop me your email in that online form if i get enough people that are interested i'd love to make this community a reality Well, thanks again for your time and for listening to this episode, and we'll catch you on the next one.